You unlock this benefit with the key of Patreon. Beyond is another dimension. A dimension of thought. A dimension of speculation. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both waffle and substance. Of things and ideas. You've just crossed into the podcast zone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Trekking Through the Twilight Zone. We are back and it's going to get meta. Uh, we're into the episode A World of Difference, and uh, I'm obviously always joined by Julian. So, Julian, first and foremost, what were your thoughts on this episode? I see the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love this episode. I mean, I, you know, I, it is just so gripping. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I, I, I identify with crazy characters. I really identify with this. I, I'm so prone to solipsism. I'm so prone to... Um, more than conspiracy theory, like I'm prone to like uh, simulation theory, you know, and it is just so charming, especially in 1960 to have uh, a man fully believe that, you know, he is who he is and then turn to the side and it's like, yeah, all of a sudden I could see through the like Doctor Who perception filter and there's no wall there. There's yeah. a camera crew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's wonderful. Well, did you enjoy it as much? Oh, I did. I really like this episode. And, you know, I've seen this done uh, in other things. It made me think, but before I'd seen it, because it's the first one I've seen this one, there was a series in the 90s called Eerie Indiana, uh, which is a great, great show. Uh, and th- that did exactly the same thing with their main character. They did something, though, that I was wishing this show would do. I th- And I almost thought, as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, they're going to do it. So in Eerie, in Indiana, it he's on the set of a TV show called Eerie Indiana, and you meet the actual director, and he gets to meet the actors as they are as real people, and listen to this, or they, you know, like a, a version of that. They get play, they play like divas and stuff. I was really hoping that he would have been in an episode, and it's not. He's in a film called um, what's it called? The Personal Life of the Private World of Arthur Curtis. That's it. Yeah, I was so hoping that like Rod Serling would be a part of this episode. Oh. Like it was well, going to go full the, the new Twilight Zone. Right. And it doesn't work. Right. That's the, there's this episode where they um I mean this is all the digression, but there's an episode uh where they um notice there's this kind of like grainy ghost like image in old classic Twilight Zone episodes in these frames. Mm-hmm. And you know and this person is sort of in reality and of course i mean spoiler alert no surprise it turns out to be a cgi rod serling but uh yeah i mean that would have that would have worked i don't i'm not sure that they would go quite that meta you know but i did i did like this i like this idea of especially as it comes to later on this suggestion of because you're never entirely sure if this whole thing is a fabrication in his head. Like, you don't know if it's a mental break or whatever. But you learn that his life outside of this, of being this character, Arthur Curtis, is a bit crap. Like, he has a real <laughs> vile ex-wife who he owes money to. He's clearly had a drinking and drug problem. He's about to lose the contract with the studio. So, like, you know, yeah, has he sort of, like, you know, sort of delved into this character where he finds sort of solace? Or is it real? Like, 
it's a really fascinating episode this idea of sort of like you know the re- reality that we choose to uh to acknowledge um and I, I the ending of this episode is so super creepy and <laughs> wonderful that no i i look yeah I, was, I really enjoyed this episode yeah and you know it's such a simple episode and i think so much of twilight zone is this where you know it's one idea well, not every episode, but most episodes are sort of like one idea, and then you watch the implications. You watch the, you know, you watch this idea carry itself through mm. in a pretty logical way, um, you know, which is, you know, a problem that isn't done. This isn't done anymore um, in the same way. I love that, you know, he tries to call himself, and yeah. you know, it's like no. There's no that address, that phone number doesn't exist. He goes to the house and mm-hmm. accosts this little girl, you know, and this is a different universe from other episodes where like if that happened, it would just be like, oh, you know, it's just a thing that happened that illustrated the point. No, that little girl's mother is right there. The girl screams. It's not a cute, funny moment. And the mother is right there and they've got to drive off before, you know, yeah. this uh, actor is accused of, you know, and the ex-wife even says, you know, before you're accused of assault. And yeah. I think, yeah, that's what really happens in real life when you're not in the movies and you grab strangers. Yeah. And, you know, like his, his ex-wife is vile. Like she's a real shrew. Like, but they, they play it up a bit much. But, like, you know. There's, there's almost like in her there's a frustration like her her frustration her anger and, and venom towards him tells a story in and of itself like she hates him but she yeah you know, there was clearly a time that they were married and they were together so the the the, the breakdown of that marriage and stuff you know so like okay there's been some real strife here like she's you know she doesn't seem like just a gold digger because it seems personal so like you know it, to me I was like yeah, th- this tells of more of like again, this guy, this this actor was it must have been a real piece of work, because um, you only get to know Arthur Curtis, you only get to know this. F- f- I was gonna say fictional character, but you get to know this character of Arthur Curtis and the panic he's going through and the sort of like the the existential crisis that he's going through. Like, like you say, when he calls home, when he calls his work, you know, and he's like, I work for this company, and like it's and the the um. The, the person on the phone is like, well, that doesn't exist. He's like, it does. I've worked there for seven years. Um, and so, yeah, I, I you know, it, there's a lot going on here um, that I found really, really interesting. So and it, it gets, like you say, like, you know, this, this idea of um, how do we accept the reality we are in? You know, if it's that bad, if it's that horrible, like, you know, there's a part of me that says, is it bad that he becomes Arthur Curtis? Like if this if this was a mental break and he t- he took on this identity, there's a part that goes, all right. It sounds like he's a better person as Arthur, <laughs> Arthur mm. Curtis. Is it is it not a, bad, a better thing? I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know, also like mental illness doesn't work that way, right? Like no. multiple personalities, you know, you don't flip a switch and think you're a fictional character. But I mean. And I, I found myself much like the the um, bus depot episode, identifying with him uh, with sort of like, no, I remember this, but 
you know, others are like, no, that that is not a thing that exists. You know, mm. it's a sort of like Berenstein Bears thing. Right. Um, where it's like, you know, no, I clearly remember this. And I, I've had many things like that, you know, including when I was a child, when I would just insist something was different. Um, and it really creeped me out. I was absolutely adamant. So I, I identify with that. Um, and I think that the, you know, there, there is a way in which like, this is just delightfully meta, but there's also a way in which you can see this. You were talking about Arthur Curtis versus uh, Reagan, the actor, yes. not Ronald, Gerald. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how, you know, it, it is just this delightfully meta sort of play, but there is also this sort of like commentary on art. And if, I mean, if you want to push this, right, it's like, you know, yeah, here's, Rod Serling, you know, um, of course, this was written by Richard Matheson. Um, but, you know, this is the artist saying, yeah, in real life, it's fucking miserable. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've got an yeah. ex-wife, you know, like celebrity isn't all you think it is. You know, people aren't perfect. You get tired of uh, people and, you know, life is agents aren't great. And um, but the fictions we make on screen are so beautiful and on screen, mm -hmm. you know, it's like happily ever after, right? He loves his loving wife, Marion, you know, um, every relationship, you know, nobody argues over who's going to mop the floor in a movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's just not a thing that happens. No. And that's the point. I think like, that's it. It's this thing of like, you know, he has this, when you go in, you know, he's got a secretary he's off on holiday, you know, they're arranging the tickets and all this other stuff. It seems cool. He's got, a, he's got a loving wife and a daughter. It's this sort of idyllic look. I mean, you know, to be, I, will, I won't be honest. Like the film sounds, this, this, the personal life of Arthur Curtis sounds like a really dull film, like, you know, to be perfect. But, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's it's a much more sort of you know comfortable reality to be in for this person, um, and you know it's, I can understand it. It comes to the end. I I like this idea. You know, you said about the bus stop episode, but and this idea of of dimensions bleeding into each other. Like you know, I love this idea again of like dimensions. You know, this idea of if there are ultimate dimensions, yeah, something we have written as a fiction could be a reality somewhere else, especially if it's as mundane as the personal life as, as of, of, I was going to say Richard Curtis, then, of Arthur yeah. Curtis. Um, and yeah, it makes that's me think that's of, a flash thing, right? It's like, you know, yeah. flash has on earth two, they have comics of flash on earth one or mm. vice versa. Uh, yeah. Is it? Like, yeah. Morris, Grant Morrison's played with this, you know, a number of times multiversity, you know, probably being the most explicit. But, Animal man. I can Animal see man. Yeah, 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 I love that episode. And then obviously, the cameras. yeah, and he actually talks to Grant Morrison. So, you know, there's, and there's even a film called, um, not Adaptation, there's a film with Will Farrell where someone starts narrating his life and he finds out there's a woman writing a book about his life. And, you know, and it's, it's like, I, I like these ideas of these things bleeding together. And it's, but the ending of this this episode, like the desperation. Yeah, talk about the, you, you are affected by the ending. The ending of this episode is really good. So he, he gives in. Like he goes back to the set and they're taking the set away. Yeah. Uh, they're about to deconstruct it. And he, he basically sits and you see that like the photos have gone and then the lighting changes. It's, it's a really nice edit, the way it's done. The lighting changes. And all of a sudden the photos are back in their frames and the wall is back. It's no longer a set. It's a, it's a full wall. 
and his wife turns up and there's obviously a lovely moment of reconciliation. You know, like, oh my god, it's, it's almost like I haven't seen you, you know, whatever. She says, Well, you've disappeared all day. Where have you been? To acknowledge that he's not been there. But the great part is that, that you've seen some people like you know, prop masters, whatever, taking a sofa off the set, and the sofa is missing from his office. Yeah. So it's affected in both worlds. And he's like, yeah, let's get, let's get out of here. Let's just go. Come on. I, I want to go. This is too weird. I want to, I've had a really, like, I want to just go on holiday now. I've got to get away. And as he is going out of the building, like he can still, he's still slightly tuned into this other dimension. And he hears the people in the studio talking and he yeah. only, he can hear them. And he's like, no, let's, let's go. And I love that. Just that moment of like, you know, he's like, no, no, like, you know, I don't want to be haunted by this, but like, Get, let's go like you know this is like a, a life-defining moment like um i love the fact that like, he's like i you know where have you been and even his secretary is like i don't care here's your tickets go yeah but um i well, just really like the ending that's great i mean it's i love that you point out that you know you have that that audio of sort of like the prop guys mm-hmm. um so i mean it, it seems to me as if he's like you know because that sofa's missing it's not really clear exactly how all of this works. No. Um, you know, and, and, you know, these days I would expect a little more of that. But uh, it, it seems to me that as he's fleeing, he's fleeing like the destruction of his reality, right? Mm. Like that office is not going to exist in a matter of minutes. Um, so he knows, nobody else knows, but he knows. Now, he, I guess if, if we believe that, he leaves his secretary to die, you know, uh, or be unmade, right, to be more precise. And then we see an airplane taking off, um, you know, hinting that uh, he has, you know, in fact, escaped. And so because I don't know how this works, that seems like it's this triumphant, like he's escaped into fiction. It's kind of like the end of the the 16 millimeter shrine episode mm-hmm, earlier mm-hmm. on, which I quite enjoyed and i like this ending too but i but i don't know if it's a good thing or not and i don't know if like that airplane's gonna go bye-bye right like that airplane doesn't exist where is that relative to this set has he just escaped into it this depends. other universe somewhere yeah. else or is it depends how you take it and everything's destroyed in his universe well it, t- it depends how you take it are, are these two distinct separate universes that, that just at this point touched yeah all right did they just touch this point because he exists like the world exists like his, his thing is his wife you know did you know she, she she was they throw the script in the bin so the production is off but you never you know if it's the personal life that like, you don't meet the actress that plays his secretary you don't meet an actress that's going to play his wife like he's the only act off you know or you know to to appear from this movie like they don't introduce him to anyone else so there's not this moment of going like oh this is barbara she plays your secretary and this is your wife yeah this is june and she plays your wife or or your secretary whatever how they want to do it that's never done so for me i always see them as two distinct realities that just merged at this point and it's sort of like this this sort of like cosmic interdimensional fuck up where he just happens to be bleed across. Now, is that because of fiction? I don't know. So I do see it as a triumph because what I would say is this for me, the differentiator is the outside world. So the set 
mm-hmm. is important. The set is the nexus of this event. And so when he leaves the set, he goes out into the real world. We see him, you know, his house as the actor, uh, was it Reagan? We see him on the street looking for his, his house as Curtis. We see all this in the real world. We see him driving around the studio. The point is the moment he steps out, for me, the moment he steps out, he goes back into the set. He goes back into his world. The sofa's gone, and that's a bleed. Well, we can, let's call it a fiction bleed. The moment he he and his wife step out into what there is, is their reality, into their real world, out of that building, it's no longer a set, it separates that world, and he's back into it. So him taking off in that plane is that distinction of like, no, no, he's back in, in a reality. It's in his reality. That's how I took it anyway. I think that makes the most sense. I think that's what the what the show wants, right? Mm. I don't think you're supposed to look at that plane and say, "Ha ha, you know, this is a microverse that, you know, yeah. is a side effect of that set and is going to disappear." Um, so I think you're right. I think, you know, to the extent that an ambiguous question can have a a more right answer, right? Yeah. Um I mean Stephen yeah, King so- addressed Stephen King tried to address this in, in in a way. If you've ever seen or read The Langoliers, mm-hmm. This idea of these things eat, literally eating reality. And I'm not recommending that film because it's god awful. Yeah. Yeah. But I love this concept of like, you know, actually, this reality is out of sync or it's out of whack and it's got to be destroyed. And so we're going to release these things, the Langoliers, to, to destroy it. And that's what, you know, he could walk out, like you say, he could be walking out of that and go, actually, this fiction universe shouldn't exist. Off it goes. But if you ask Grant Morrison, all fictional realities exist and we are just sort of siphoning them through to use as our fiction i i'm going to confess something um i i shouldn't say i absolutely believe but i often see signs that this is a fictive reality um you know i mean there are clearly you know i mean there are people's names who you just think like that is too on the nose if you know (laughs) i mean if like the one thing you're going to be known for is X and your last name is, you know, X related, this is just, uh, you know, come on, this is a little too on the nose. And that happens over and over again. And it's one, one of the things that makes me a little superstitious. Like, you know, I've got a friend named Eva and I'm like, I'm not eating any apple that you give me. I'm no figs, (laughs) you know, no pomegranates just to be safe. You know, um, I mean, so I do have a certain superstitious thing about about names, but, you know, I do see like, you know, it's it seems as if these fictive cycles do affect our reality. And, you know, like, look, right around to 2015, you know, the the head writers of this narrative changed. And some people came on who were like, yeah, eh, you know, we need a new season. Let's go darker. You know, yeah. let's let's bring that nationalism back. Um, so, you know, there are just times where there are coincidences and there are things that that make me think, uh, you know, I'm very I'm very sensitive to this idea. Now, I acknowledge who the hell knows. But I mean, I do love this kind of play um, and I won't tell you, you know, whether I came from a more fictive reality than this or <laughs> the metaverse back into this, but I don't belong here. <laughs> it's true. Well, you know, it goes back to this idea of, of the, like you say, the matrix and um, the fictional world that we all live in. We, we could all be computer sprites inside a computer that they say that's being, you know, it's, uh, 
it's fictional universes all the way down, as they yeah. say. Yeah, <laughs> quite possibly. Mm. So it's a good it's a good episode, but you know, and it, it can be it's it's rock and fun. Yeah, we can look too deep. We can look deeper, but you know, it's rock and fun. It is. It's a good episode. It's well worth checking out. Right. Any final thoughts? Is that are we are we are we good? I don't belong here. <laughs> on this on this podcast or in this in this world universe. In this world. We should I, I, I look up at there. the ceiling sometimes and try to see the the right angle relative to what I can see that my eyes can't perceive and it hasn't worked so far, but I'm gonna keep trying. One day you're just not gonna turn up and there'll just be a note on my screen. Um Right, anyway, we shall finish there. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. And as always, it's been a treat. So we shall see you on the next episode. <laughs>